this heaven? No. It's Iowa. Ben, what do you think about a movie where Marty McFly gets drunk drinking Budweiser's? Does he get drunk in Vietnam? He sure does. We're talking casualties of war on... The Pot of Dreams! From the director and the producer of The Untouchables. Hey, Sarge, you gotta give me a minute here on this thing we're doing. I don't want nothing but charm people around me on this one, gentlemen, so bring your good luck stuff. Like this, Sarge? This is nuts. We ain't supposed to be doing this. Everybody else is up for this. This is kidnapping, ain't it, Sarge? Be advised, you best just relax and try to forget about this thing. Is that clear? Yeah, you got a weapon. We all got weapons. Anybody can blow anybody away, which is the way it ought to be, always. Military court-martials are notoriously lenient. My job, sir, was to kill communist aggressors, count the bodies. Even if these four guys get convicted, they're not going to do any real time. <laughs> you throw guys like us in the stockade and you're helping nobody but the Viet Cong. If I was them, I'd be looking for a little payback. Somebody stumbles. They don't mean to shoot you. They're sorry. You could get killed real easy. A man like you, wife, baby daughter, I'd be considering those factors very carefully. You don't have to try and kill me, man. I told them. And they don't care! Just because each of us might be blown away, everybody's acting like we can do anything, man. Do you think you're standing up to me? Ah! Probably like the army, don't you, Erickson? This ain't the army, Sarge. Michael J. Fox, Sean Penn, Casualties of War. Hello, everybody. I'm very chipper. Welcome to the Pod of Dreams. If you listen, we will pod. I'm chipper, but we're going to be talking about a not very chipper movie. Yeah, I'm just going to call you Sarge the rest of this podcast. Is that okay, Sarge? Sure, uh, sure. What is Sean Penn's accent in this? It's New York vaguely, but does what's the dialect? I thought he was kind of playing somewhat mentally handicapped. Did I like? Well, like he's slow, a lunatic. Like slow. See, he seems kind of. See, that's the thing. He seems kind of smart. Um, he speaks like an everyman. But I, I, I didn't get that vibe. I mean, have I, you heard I, Sean Penn talk recently? Like, it's been a few years. He's like the most grizzled, like Marlboro man oh, sure. kind of guy now. Like the, the fact that he, this same guy from this movie, is the current Sean Penn. I'm not convinced. I think he was abducted. Is this an I am Sam thing where you're like, that's why you think he's? Oh, little, maybe that's it. You got a little but, residual. But even I am like Sam? In, even like in Carlito's way, where he plays, he plays a lawyer. I think he's yeah. I think he's Pacino's lawyer. He has like a slowness to him, some sort of like. Forrest Gumpy, I don't, I don't know, but maybe it is I am Sam, maybe that's it. I think he's supposed to be like a redneck in this movie. Well, he's a redneck, but he cuts through stuff, and he's a lunatic. I mean, he's deranged. Yeah, he's psychotic. Do you think he's good in this movie? Actually, I do, and I, it's weird, because if you look at his performance, you think it's almost cartoonish, but it worked for me. He's I got the big, giant dip in his mouth half Always, the time. Always, constantly, yeah, he's spewing... 
shit out. Um, I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't get scared on the battlefield the way other people do, right? I mean, right. In the first scene, he's got somebody whose like arm was blown off into bits, and he like hand the guy won't move. He's like, "I need to find my arm," and he hands him like a log and says, "Here's your arm." I mean, it's like quick thinking. Okay. Yeah, and then what? When the brownie guy gets shot, he like grabs him and pulls him down, and he's like, "They're shooting from behind." He's he knows what to do, and he's their like commander, right? Yeah, he's in charge. Yeah, Sarge. he's a sarge. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he makes, uh, he, he's just, the problem is he's just a lunatic. I don't, like he understands the orders. He knows what's going on. He's not wrong. Like when, so I, I so talking captures war just as a, just step back. If anybody needs a quick refresher or doesn't know what this movie is, 1989, Brian De Palma directed. Real, real cheery film. Starring Michael J. Fox as a guy who goes to war in Vietnam. Um, and it's based on a true story. He gets into a... You know, interesting, it's based off of a New Yorker article, which Dead Ringers was the same thing. We, movie we did a few weeks ago. Or yeah. Oh, yes. At this yeah, point. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, a very depressing story about how this these five squad... I don't, I don't know the breakdown. I get I, Military people can cringe at my inability to know, like, what's a squad versus what's a battalion versus what's... A, I don't, I don't a platoon? Know. Were they platoon. a platoon? Yeah, I don't know. Is there enough people for a platoon? I don't know. I don't know the breakdown. But these five soldiers go off on a mission, but then they take a side detour to kidnap a, a girl. Well, basically, I don't think they the... went on a mission. I think they went AWOL, right? Didn't they go AWOL? They were supposed. They wanted to get. They were supposed to go to the like place where all the like prostitutes are, and they wouldn't let them leave, right? So that don't they? Right. Right. Well, he gets mad, right? Because Sean Penn says he didn't get their R and R, right? Right. The uh, right. The other it's because the Viet Cong are at those places, right? That's why they don't get to leave, and they're worried that the troops will fight. So there's some sort of high level arrangement between the U.S. and the Viet Cong, where like they're going to take turns who gets to go to wherever it is and and have sex with the prostitutes. Yeah, and he's right. Like the he he knows what's going on. He seems to understand a lot. That's why I don't think he's mentally disabled he's correct and yeah but their mission is vague enough that i thought they just took a detour right they're supposed to just do recon right isn't recon a little broad like we're doing recon in this area we're leaving the base to do recon i thought they were told not to leave the base but i could i could be misremembering that well so i mean i think i think how it worked was like we're, we're gonna do recon the next morning we're gonna do recon at this location. Left in the middle of the night it's in the dark of night when they leave which I thought they were supposed to, but you, you could be right. I don't know. I, he said, like, we're going to this area, but we're going to take a detour over here. But maybe they did the detour early. Either way, they're not supposed to be doing what they're doing. Whether they left and then went to some other village or not. Anyway, yeah, they, they take a, a woman from a village, girl, really. Well, yeah, you say woman. I was like, I mean, girl. is she like 12, 15, 17? I think she's 15, I, but I don't know. Yeah. Either way, um, I mean, whatever. It's just but they they end up raping each other. I mean, we told you the plot of the movie basically, and Michael J. Fox is the only one who doesn't do it. Um, I mean, the cast is stacked. Uh, just completely unbelievable. Yeah, it's like it was just one of the one of the reasons why I wanted to watch this movie is I saw it on a best war movie list, and like, wait, Michael J. Fox is in it. Who's John C. Riley. I mean, the He's movie the is Michael J. Fox is is the lead of the movie. Is yeah. the lead followed by Sean Penn. Which, I mean, uh, we'll talk about my, Michael J. Fox, but building this, like, disturbing Vietnam movie by 
Brian De Palma around Michael J. Fox off of Back to the Future is really just a crazy choice. And it's crazy how it works. I had about one minute where I saw Marty McFly. Yeah, about a like, minute. I thought at some point he'd say, Doc, Doc. <laughs> For a minute. And then it just slided in, and my brain he's, just accepted it. He's really good in this movie, he's great. I think. It's he's, understated. It's, yeah. it, it goes really well. Uh, it, it works really well. Um, yeah, I had a little moment where he, like, it starts off on the battlefield. Well, it's not, it starts off uh, on, like, a bus in some city, but then he has a flashback to this experience. <clears throat> he's on the battlefield, and they start getting hit, him and all the other U.S. troops, and he, he falls through the ground and he's hangling there the tunnels yeah yes but he kept saying oh god oh, oh no no he's that like was... he's like geez oh geez he like can't even say a swear word it's like god it is marty mcfly that was yeah. right that was where it was like there but then then it settled in like at that point it's like oh no it looks like marty mcfly just fell in a trap this is like doofus marty mcfly yeah. um when is he gonna get his hoverboard like get him right. out of here Right, and then, I mean, this came out the same year as Back to the Future 2 and 3, right? Uh, so, I mean, it's all at the same time. Um, what a year for Michael J. Fox. Gee, oh, he was king of the freaking world yeah. for a good, like, almost decade before the Parkinson's. Um, but yeah, he's the lead. You've got Sean Penn, number two, who's just right up there with he's scenes. The he's, he's the, the villain. He's the villain. But screen time, he's right up there. I mean, he gets sure. almost as much as Michael J. Fox. And then you got the, the third guy I didn't rec- I recognized... Um, only from the Pam and Tommy show, which was really good. And I saw, I don't know if you saw Pam and Tommy, but, um, no, but that guy's been, he was like in the rock. He's been in he's a around. bunch of yeah, stuff. He plays kind of a yeah. heavy in movies, not like the lead guy, but he's just kind of a, a crony and stuff. Um, well, yeah, we'll get there. But then yeah, John Leguizamo, Patrick Harvey is his name. John C. Riley is in it. First um, movie. His first screen role. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ving Rames. When we got to talk about Ving Rames, I, th- I think great. the Ving Ving Rames scene. I think this is so. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, I think, is. I read it somewhere that he said this is his favorite Vietnam movie. Yeah. And I think he watched this and saw the Ving Rames scene where Michael J. Fox is trying to tell him what happened, and Ving Rames is like, basically, you need to shut this shit up. I'm gonna split you guys up. Like he's like, I want that guy in a movie, and I'm gonna build the entire thing around him. And that's Marcellus Wallace. Like the, the speech he gives in this movie is Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction. The, you know, oh, that's sure, pride fucking with you, butch. <laughs> like that is the, that, that is literally like just taken from this with different words. It's the same scene. Yeah, no, it, it's great. And then we've got another bit appearance from a guy who he's in a couple things. He's not a, he's, he's in fight club. He's also the guy in the big short. Who's like leading the, uh, mortgage conference and he's the one mm-hmm. that's like yes we took some losses in our subprime division and steve carell he's in it for just like one quick scene he's like, basically a glorified extra in this movie um but i mean it's, it's just just fully loaded it's like what how have i not heard of this movie before um and it's it's pretty excellent uh top to bottom oh and the the guy that gets killed brownie he's in uh dexter it's like oh yeah that guy was in dexter um so just a, a a lot of stars in this movie, but um, first scene is just like yeah, hectic Vietnam Vietnam War scene. They're getting attacked. The Viet Cong are both below them in these tunnels and somewhere else shooting with like artillery. Uh, Michael J. Fox almost dies. He's stuck in like a, a hole into the tunnel. But and then stabbed. that's like some De Palma shit where the camera kind of moves below where he is oh. into the tunnels and kind of 
pans over is like that is you you can you can tell De Palma's signature on this movie. There's a couple of the we learned uh, one of our guests um, from the Star Tribune said this is it split diopter or something like that when we did uh, Blowout, the other De Palma movie we've done on the podcast. Um, talked about that film style. I guess I don't even know how you define it, but where where you see one thing in the foreground, they're both in the foreground. There's like a blurriness between the two. Um, yeah, and there's, there's, I think the scene where Brownie gets shot, Michael J. Fox drops down and he sees the people that he was talking with. They go into like the hutch behind him, and you can kind of see that that camera effect. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a few of those blunt, like uh, flourishes. Some of the long takes and pans. The time I got most like the De Palma vibes is when they kidnap the the girl, because we get like serial killer view, like we were walking around, oh, yeah. looking. And okay, we go in here like and these the people are sleeping. blowout is that same thing. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right. Yep. And looks around and no, not them, not them. Because we, the characters and we, the audience are like looking for the girl that we're going to kidnap. Um, and it's really upsetting because of course it makes you, you're just like trapped and, and complicit in all of it. It's like, oh yeah, this is, but, this is like so, out of a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, so this movie I think is obviously about Vietnam, but I think it's really more about that sort of like peer pressure aspect of it is like because a lot of this is like they take this woman and they rape her but then sean penn is like making everybody in the unit rape her like like john leguizamo at first is like i don't i don't want to do this like he's not gonna make me do this right and then he sort of succumbs to the pressure of it and john c Riley even too he's like i don't want to do this like initially and then he kind of has to get himself pump himself up to do it he drinks sure, uh, or he's just kind of too stupid well he doesn't drink right you're saying wouldn't it be great if there were beers he keeps yeah. saying that like well nobody yeah, wants he's to like, i can't do this he like, can't, but he doesn't have the emotional capacity or verbal capacity to really articulate his feelings so just keep saying wouldn't it be great don't we need some beers because yeah he's trying to work up the nerve and can't cope with his anxious feelings about the process yeah no it is very much about peer pressure and it's about how difficult it is to actually like stand up to forces because yeah, Sean Penn, this is where I think he's smart. He wants everybody to do it because everybody will be in it together. Um, everybody will be equally guilty and nobody will be able to rat anything out because everybody will have done it. Right? It, it, everybody, it's just be. Yeah, but I mean, he evil. knows it's criminal. Like, it, that's the sickening thing. Like, I don't think. Oh, yeah, John, he knows it's. Yeah. John Leguizamo totally got. I mean, he just didn't want to do it, but didn't get the ramifications of it. That, like, this oh. is like a war crime. Like, we could all go to prison and all that. You know what I mean? Well, they, I think John was, Leguizamo understood the situation. He's like, socially, morally, I'm going to be in trouble. Morally, he's like, I don't want to do this. But yeah. But I have to practically to, to fit in. John C. Riley didn't seem to grasp it. Even when he's getting interviewed at the end, he's like, well, I've been there three weeks longer as though that just like, he's just a dumb dumb. I don't know. He's just a guy that's too stupid to know what's going on from what I, from, from my take of his character, not John C. Riley the human, but the character who played this movie, just is really, really an idiot, I think, um, to grasp what was going on. I don't think he even really understood. <clears throat> Although they all had lines, I guess. He didn't want to kill the woman or the girl. Um, so there was a line. But I mean, that's why Sean Penn does it. Sean Penn's deliberately evil. He, he, he shirks any opportunity to like shed moral responsibility. He wants it to be awful. Like They try to say you know, I, I don't know if it was John C. Riley or John Leguizamo or the second. What was the sec guy? The second command guy, um, the heavy. I don't remember his name. Who was a lunatic? Um, somebody tried to say they don't even really human. You know, like Clark, the Clark, Clark guy. Yeah, Clark. Okay. Yeah, he's like she, she. knows wasn't even really human, right? They're they're trying to justify morally with racism, basically. Like, oh, we didn't do this to a person. 
so it's not as bad, right? That's the logic he's trying to use in his brain. But Sean Penn's like, no, she's a human. No, we did that to a person. Like, he wants to revel in that they did that to people. And, and for sure, it's 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 revenge. He's doing it. He's upset that Brownie's dead. Um, he, he resents the Viet Cong, and um, that's why he does it. I mean, it's like he, he usually calls his penis a weapon. He's like, this gun ain't a weapon. This is a weapon, and he grabs his dick and shakes it. I mean, he's using it. This is this is his way of sticking it metaphorically to the Viet Cong. Um, no, he's awful. This is why I just don't think he's. But then a lot of it too is like once you make once you report this, like uh, how is it responded to by the powers that be? You well, know, right. honestly, it, it it made me think when I was in school, there was like a big at the University of Minnesota, there was a bunch of of uh, I think there were football players involved in a gang rape type situation like this and you know it got reported and then was it actually reported to the school and did the police investigate like all that stuff i mean it happens often you know like oh this is promising young woman right like right. she reports it and does nothing happens to people and they just graduate from med school and move on right no it's tough but, to, but that like maybe it is you know you think of the hazing thing at northwestern that's been going on right now it's like sometimes this is reported and then it's covered up and right not, oh, yeah. The like the highest level people know about it and don't do anything about it. You know what I mean? Like, um, and in this case, it took what the chaplain guy that actually because Michael J. Fox reports it to Ving Rhames. Like I said, the scene I think is yeah. Ving Rhames is like, look, you're just we'll gonna get you yourself in trouble. Yeah. Right? He's like, I got mad because uh, a racist place wouldn't let my wife in, and she had to give birth to our son in the lobby of the ho- uh, hotel hospital. Like, but it didn't do any good. I was going to kill people, and then I came to my senses. Like, you're mad, you're indignant, but you're going to see reality. And when you try to search it up, it's just not going to go well for you. And the same thing. That, and then being rain superior officer is the same thing, right? Like, uh, I don't think you know what's going to happen to you if you report this. Like, these guys are going to come after you, and they're going to maybe kill you. And we're going to maybe let that slide because we don't really want to deal with this shit. Yeah, because I mean, the reason I bring it up because it's really not about Vietnam much at all. Like this could. This whole scenario could happen in any war, really. Like if you think about it, it really isn't specific to Vietnam. Whereas, like Apocalypse Now, I suppose isn't exactly about Vietnam, but it's mostly about the horrors. Oh, of, it is Vietnam. Vietnam. I, I think so. Well, we'll talk more about the. We'll compare this to some other Vietnam War movies. I think we'll get there. But um, I mean, you're right. But I think that the moral backdrop of just how nebulous and shitty Vietnam was accentuates the horror of what sure. happened. Because you know, if you did. This could have, and maybe this shit did happen during World War II. I don't, I don't know. I'm not accusing it of having happened, but it seems entirely possible <clears throat> that some U.S. servicemen did something awful to some, you know, German woman or whatever. I mean, entirely possible or Japanese. Um, but it would have been a harder sell in that context. People would have a harder time swallowing it. And I don't know. It's Vietnam, which we all kind of accept by the '80s. Everybody's like, yeah, Vietnam sucked. It was a mistake. And it was uh, morally ambiguous at best, if not downright awful on our part to be in the war. Like, what were we even trying? Like, what was the I mean, point of any of it? It's, it's so just cra- nihilistic so and awful. It is just so crazy. Did Did your dad was he Vietnam era age? No. I mean, he could. I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he didn't get drafted, but he was in high school at the end of the '60s, right? I mean, he was born in '51, so he could have been drafted. I think technically, and he's 69 was when he was 18. Yeah. It's still going on. I don't know. 
Yeah, like my dad didn't serve. He was in the Air Force, but he didn't serve in Vietnam or anything like that. But like my wife's uncles, they all went to like Saigon and shit. And like it's just it's such a crazy. I think the crazy thing about it is they were drafted, right? The whole idea that you get this like fucking notice and you're going off to war. You could have had plans for a whole different life, but now you're going to Vietnam. And like that was the last time that that happened or only time really. Right in the history of the United States, where you were drafted to war. Was there a draft uh, during World War II? I don't think so. I think it was all volunteers. I think people okay, all volunteered. People just gung ho to do it. Okay. Draft, yeah. Okay. Um, but that you know to to go fight this war that was like completely meaningless, really. At, right. you know, when you think about it, like for oh, to it stop is. communism, like what the fuck? You it know what I mean? No, it doesn't make any sense. And the situation of Vietnam was fucked. It's like the We're U.S. took all thousands of men in the jungle just to fucking get killed. Like the whole thing crazy. is messed up because the leader that was in place in the early '60s, we put there, and his only qualification was that he wasn't a communist, but he was a piece of shit. He killed people, put his family into like positions of power, and we had to assassinate him. To well, we didn't have to. We chose to. To replace him because we, he was doing such a shitty job and people in Vietnam were so mad and they were like, well, we're going to just send troops and we're going to just win and dominate because we're the U.S. And it's like, oh, shit. These people just wanted – they wanted to govern themselves. I mean they didn't – that was ultimately what they wanted. They didn't care right. about communism or capitalism. They wanted independence. It was like the French before us and instead of just being like, you know what? There's no fucking point to this. And we're not going to be able to win because all they have to do is wait. It's like, like all they have to do is wait. Time is on their side, not our side. Right? Like – they're well, it's their the country, like, you know, it's their yeah. homeland, like, Correct. crazy. We're invading so their, I mean, I suppose the Iraq war is kind of similar in that way. You know, it's like, you're going to war for no reason, uh, based off of lies, really, if you think about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thousands of men are getting killed for nothing. Like, And and you see just how difficult it was to know who your enemy was, right? This is the thing about Vietnam movies, like, Early on in this one, I mean, I, I love it. I don't, I don't love that it's true, but I, it was just, it's just one of the subtle things. Like Michael J. Fox, they're in some village somewhere in Vietnam. They've escaped action. They think they're relatively safe. The villagers are friendly. Michael J. Fox pushes the ox plow or whatever it is, right? And they're just being silly and they're shooting the shit. And all of a sudden, they take a bullet and there's people hitting them from the other side coming out from a tunnel. And they thought they were, but, but they weren't. But they can't just shoot villagers. That so, but they're just like, who are my friends? Who are my enemies? What yeah. do, how do I figure this out? They're wearing uniforms. You correct. Know? Yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't you don't know, and the villagers sometimes may be on one side or the other, but they're just also trying to exist, and they've got soldiers coming in from the Viet Cong saying, "You've got to help us, or we'll kill you." And the U.S. is doing something similar, and they're just like trying to like farm and shit and exist in reality, and they don't even really care um, who's in power. And they're caught in the middle, so they have to shift. So you get that really important slice of just how nebulous and weird the situation is. Because um, it's like, and even as the viewer. Yeah, uh, imagine you, you know, you're in your cornfield in Iowa just cutting down corn, and all of a sudden some soldiers roll through. Like, you got to yeah. help us and yeah. do this. And like, oh, I, I don't want to. Well, I'm going to shoot your family. Oh, okay, I guess I'll help you then. Yeah. Um, okay, I guess. Do you want to stay here? Um, so it's like everybody's in these just like morally fucked up situations. Uh, and it's just a, a cluster from the get-go. I, mean, I think it's an important backdrop. I mean, you're right. This could be any situation. This could be a high school football team or um, the program. Was it the program with uh, – mm-hmm. yeah. like it could be any any number of scenarios could work. But 
I, I think it really accentuates it just the, the shitty nihilistic backdrop of the Vietnam War makes it work better. I mean, it's a true story, so it doesn't even really matter, but it just makes it more horrific and awful. Um, and, and even like Sean Penn alludes to this later on, he's like, he ain't Viet Cong. John C. Riley ain't Viet Cong. John Leguizamo ain't Viet Cong. Clark ain't Viet Cong. You, I don't know about you, right? The lines are just completely blurred um, in a really fucked up shitty way. Um, but there's so many choices this movie makes that I love. I mean, like Michael J. Fox gets his life saved by Sean Penn, right? That's the first thing. One, we get the action sequence, but it accentuates just how difficult it would have been to do what Michael J. Fox did, right? You literally owe your life to this guy, right? You feel obligated. A lot of people would feel like, I I can't get this guy in trouble. I'm only alive because he saved my life. Um, Well, he saved the whole squad, too, because he wasn't on the the radio and waited for the bombs to go off and told them where they were. And then they jetted out of there. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's a great soldier. I mean, yeah. he, he genuinely, I mean, he's a sociopath, but he's a really good soldier. This is also one of those things like, which is probably those things go hand in hand. Maybe. Yeah. Correct. Well, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like the people who can thrive in war are lunatics. I mean, I, I thought of Tom Berenger and platoon a little bit. Uh, they're a little bit different, but Tom Berenger is also a lunatic in platoon. You've seen platoon, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen, yep. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's in Willem it as well. I mean, it's another yeah. great cast. Like, we're we're about to reach the '89 is about the end of the Vietnam. Like, there's a area of like just an explosion of Vietnam War movies, and then it's about to like die. Never out seen in the, the Tom Cruise one. Um, or on the Fourth of July. July. I haven't seen, either. Uh, Oliver Stone, right? Isn't that Oliver Stone? That's Oliver Stone. Who yeah. also did Platoon? Um, right. Okay. Yep. Those are both Oliver Stone. Um, he who he actually fought in Vietnam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? I mean, with Platoon. Yeah. All of a sudden, was like, I'm trying to convince, show you what it was actually like in right. Vietnam. Like, this is my goal with this movie. This is what the experience was like. But, you know, I think, yeah, the people who are great at war are probably bad at being a decent person. Because <clears throat> all the all the traits I mean, that... you're like, fucking make you go, killing people, right? Right, like, right. The traits that make you good soldier yeah. get rewarded in, in a military situation. But in all other contexts, it's like, no, you shouldn't just kill people and do this awful shit. Um, but it, it just, just adds to all the, the craziness at all. Um, and you just see like the fucking courage it took for this guy to do that. Um, literally, he's in the bathroom. Somebody's trying to like his own squad mates were trying to blow him up. After um, he reports it, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's like, and it goes nowhere. And he literally hits the guy in the face with the shovel and is like, "I told people, and they didn't care. So stop trying to fucking kill me. Nobody gives a shit. So you don't need to try to murder me to shut me up." Yeah, it's like, man, that's really depressing. Um. Yeah, all of it. I mean, the one thing, and maybe you got this a little bit. Did you rewatch it? I know you watched it recently, or you just... Uh, I didn't watch... I mean, so I watched it recently, like a month ago. Right. And so I, I kind of went back and watched sort of the main, some of the main scenes. I got confused. The the What happened at the... Not the very end, but like the boats coming down the river, and somebody's delivering supplies to the Viet Cong, and then the U.S. military comes down the river... You mean on the bridge, the shootout on the bridge yeah, thing? Yeah, they, they kill the woman. I get, yeah. I got the killing of the woman, girl, okay. But then they start shooting it. Like, did they just not know who they were shooting at? And they shot U.S. soldiers? Were the U.S. soldiers giving supplies to people who weren't Viet Cong? Like, I had no clue. And maybe that was oh. the point. I didn't know who was shooting what was happening. Um, I couldn't understand 
at a military exchange. And because later on, yeah, Michael Fox says like we killed four servicemen or whatever it was. Like, yeah, I, th- I think they came. They saw the crime being committed, right? They saw Sean Penn killing that girl, and and then Sean Penn and those guys realized like we have to kill them, otherwise ah. they'll they'll see what we're doing. Got it. Okay. And so that's why they got into this firefight. Okay, they're trying to cover their tracks. Okay. Right. I see. I, I, I didn't, I was really confused. I think they were like military police or something like that. It, it was the sense I got. But Oh, really? Okay, interesting. I, yeah, I was just confused. Like, wait, is the U.S. coming to fight this? Or they, is it a supply drop for the Viet Cong? Um, why didn't they shoot at the Viet Cong if it was the Viet Cong earlier? Um, why are they so worried about losing? Anyway. Um. You just, I don't know. Um, there's so many gut-wrenching scenes. I mean, you, you, the you, the language barrier being this, like, palpable problem. Like, Michael J. Fox wants to save the girl. He has a chance to try to get her to go home. But she's traumatized, first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't trust him. Why would she trust him? Right? And they can't talk because yeah. they don't speak the same language. And he's like, if he could have convinced her to run, she might have lived. But she started to trust him and wanted to go with him. He's like, no, I, I can't like, there's a line I can't cross. If I walk you back to your village, I'll have deserted and I'll be rat fucked. I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll go to, I can't do that. Um, Honestly, you just can't commute it. It's great. When I, mean, it's I was thinking happy, it's great, in this, but, when I was thinking, if I it was, th- a lot of this, I was put like, what would I do? Right. What would sure. I do if I was in Michael J. Fox's situation? And I, I was thinking like, your only choice like what he did, I think, is like the morally thing. But like, you're fucked if you do that, right? Like these guys would probably they'll try to kill you, right? I mean, no doubt about it. And nobody's gonna do anything. It's like you almost have to fucking shoot your way out of this. Like he almost had to just like kill these he thought, guys. He thought about it. He's like, I, I maybe I'd rather just die here than do this. I mean, right. that, I think that thought. He's like, I, I'm gonna try to shoot these guys. I'm not gonna win. I'm gonna end up dead. But you're dead but, anyways, yeah. Right. But maybe or you're going to go this, to prison, you know what right, I mean? Right, yeah. Like, maybe I just do this now and get this out of the way, um, and then I just don't have to be anxious about what's happening anymore, because, yeah, I'm, I'm screwed over, yeah. like Because there's the whole, like, the military command, right? Is like, you can't, and that's what Ving Rhames is telling us, like, you can't rat out your officer, right? Like, they're, they're in charge of you. you. You do what they tell you to do. I mean, that's the whole idea of military command. And in this situation, I was like, he's telling you to rape a girl. Like, what do you do? It's crazy. I mean, it's just such a crazy thing to put yourself in. And like I said, the, my solution is like, I'm, either you're going to fucking kill me or I'm going to kill you. Like, that's the only way this is going to end. Well, yeah. And probably they kill you because there's four guys. With yeah, there's four guys. But then, but then, like, then you before, before Leguizamo... Because there was a minute there where it was like he could have had him on his side. Right. Well, like, he, he he lacks more courage. He's like, you're going to have my back? we got to have each other's back. And if right. John Leguizamo has enough guts to like go well, over to Michael J. Fox. I think Michael J. Fox, Fox didn't, get, didn't take his back on it. Like, I mean, he's, oh. he did. He, stayed, he did stay at sand and say, I'm not going to do this. And then Leguizamo didn't – he didn't follow suit. But like when Sean Penn was like, you got a raper, Michael J. Fox was like, you fucking make him do that, I'll shoot you. Like, he should have taken it further, I thought. Oh, see, I don't know. I, I viewed that he, at that point, he realized he'd lost John Leguizamo. Which he did. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah, right. Yeah. He's like, okay, because if John Leguizamo comes over to his side and says, I'm not doing this either, 
the ballot shifts eh, just enough. Right. You got to kill maybe, two people now. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe John C. Riley is like, okay, I don't know. I'm, I'm one out of this. And it's two on two. And now they have to reconsider the whole thing. There's cause... a little bit where Michael J. Fox, before it happens, is like, listen, this isn't. This hasn't gone far enough yet. Like we could bring yeah, her back. Yeah, if we bring her back, yeah, I won't say anything, and we'll right. just move the fuck past it. Like otherwise, otherwise, we're gonna fucking fight, and you're gonna have to. Yeah, kill it, me. it comes to that for a second, and he just can't quite bring himself to do it, right? Like you say, you would bring it to a killer be killed, and maybe you would. He almost does, but he's like, I can't quite do this. Like, I, I guess I don't want to die. I don't know that I want to kill these guys or injure them, and then the vehicle might kill all of us, and the girl might die anyway, and it's like shit. Um, yeah, I mean, all the options are all the options. I mean, that's suck what makes ass. this such a great movie is the oh, yeah, like, every moral dilemma. And somehow he makes it through. Um, he's just like constantly trying to just make the least shitty choice possible every step of the way. Because like even before this, like it, he, what could he have done right before they go out to do it? See, that's why. Well, he didn't know. That's I why mean, I don't think. I, that's why I don't think they snuck out. This is why I don't think they. This is why I don't think they snuck out uh, against orders. Because Michael J. Fox, if they were set, if the orders were like, you've got to stay here, and then tomorrow morning you head out, I think Michael J. Fox would be like, I, I'm staying here, I'm not heading out. But I think they all left to go do recon, and they were out, and the the you know, commanding officer took them to this village, and they had to go. But he, he Sean Penn said they were going to do it before they did it. But can he go to a, a commanding officer and said, Hey, my my sergeant is going to take go to a village and rape a girl? Could he say that? Maybe. Or would they just be like, no, he's not going to do that. Let's shut up. Just go with it. Like, would that have worked? I don't know. I'm, I'm doubtful that it would have worked. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Because he says that to his buddy and it's like, oh, he's not going to do this. He's got to be joking, right? He can't really mean that. And he did. Um, but right. Yeah, every, every, choice, every choice is terrible. There's A just lot of nothing. war crimes committed in Vietnam. You know? Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, it's, it's morally. It's like, well, this shit's happening now, dude. Like in Russia, you, you read those stories about what they're doing in Ukraine. Like a lot of fucking awful stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's it's war. War is shitty. Um, and then you just see how like casually life happens. Like the they're at the base. And then there's just that really twitchy, nervous guy. I, I don't even know his name, right? You know what I'm talking about? Just like this young guy who's really jittery. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, step slow. And like they're just like, go away. You're annoying us. Like, stop talking to us. We don't want you in this conversation. And he runs off and hits like a mine or something. And even then, Michael J. Fox is like, man, okay. Like, I was really dismissive. Like, we've gotten just so indifferent to people's feelings and any empathy whatsoever like i couldn't give that guy like a modicum of, of empathy it was just like get the fuck out of my face basically um and it's like maybe in times like this we need to most remember humanity but it's like just the most difficult to do um yeah i mean that's why the backdrop is this is just fucked everybody's just like shitty and it's like i think a lot of people that went to vietnam had visions of world war ii in their head right like you think because of their parents right correct. I mean, you're like yeah. Yeah, my my dad was a fucking hero and went and stopped Hitler and they were fucking they came back as heroes to everybody else like on the whole everybody's like look at these people who went and died and fought for yeah, their neighbors the thing the thing i can't wrap my head around is that like those people volunteered versus like getting well, so, some people did volunteer for Vietnam getting a too. letter saying well yes i mean michael I think j it, fox volunteered right like right. I, i'm not talking I think, about yeah, I mean, well, the sure. draft is a big deal, but I mean, 
I'm talking with people that did volunteer. And then you go to this situation and it's like, it's not that at all. You don't know who you're fighting. You don't know what's going on. And you don't even really know why you're fighting. Yeah, you're not storming a beach. Is Ho Chi Minh really some horrible villain that you like hate? And you're just like, Ho Chi Minh's gonna kill my like my neighborhood's gonna be just overrun and no, I don't think so. I think you're just there and it's hot as shit and you're just miserable. Um and it's like, what the fuck am I doing? And you're just looking for an outlet and just nobody can give any compassion or anything because you just yeah, it's it's such an incredible backdrop. I don't know. Um, and it's just amazing that it actually in real life and in the movie worked out. I mean, I would almost not believe it if it weren't a true story. Like if this were just totally made up, it'd be like, wait, that no, I don't think that would have worked out. Like he'd have been killed. They'd have fought. The military wouldn't have done anything. Um, his squad mates would have killed him. But no, that, I mean, generally speaking, he did convince the right person. And then finally, somebody with enough authority made the investigation happen. It's like it is kind of cool when you think about like our military legal system that like we do charge crime, people, mil, our own military officers with crimes, and you know what I mean. And in this movie, you see the very end of it where they're all convicted. In the and they didn't spend a lot of time though, because the one one spirit officer is like, they're not going to do much time, son. Like even though they're convicted. Yeah, it was like 10 years for Sean Penn or something like that. And and he's going to get off early, and he did get off early. Like, it isn't going to be much. Like, you're envisioning something different in your head than than it's reality. Um, But then at least he finally gets, like, the fuck you to the guy two officers ahead of him, Bing Rain's superior. Are you happy now, son? Fuck you, sir. Like, I mean, that's as good as it gets, right? I mean, you're not taking yeah. down the U.S. military industrial complex. Um, you just get that one tiny little moment of, like, it's not even really an outlet. It's it's just like a resignation. But, um, no, I mean, it's it's great, top to bottom. I don't know. It's super well shot, super well acted. The only, like, so did Sean Penn's performance work for you? I guess I don't know. Did we cover that? I mean. I've never really been a big Sean Penn guy. I don't uh, like. He's a guy that I don't like, but I think he's a really good actor. I don't know, like. Yeah, he seems like a creep. I mean, he he's been accused of some bad yeah, shit. Yeah, like, he, he, he might beat be the a, shit out of Madonna, right? Like, isn't that? Oh, funny? I hadn't heard that, but that's yeah, oh, yeah. that's awful. Okay. Uh, Robin Wright beat the shit out of her too. I think he's been accused of some bad shit. Well, then I guess him playing a lunatic makes sense. But yeah, I I, yeah, I don't know that I like him. I don't. I'm not like man. I'm I, I his personality is amenable. I don't I don't want to meet him or act him, but. He seems to be a really good he's actor. Kinda, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's. I mean, he's pretty good. Like Milk, he's amazing in that. Like. Right. Like I. He transforms. Like I said, he transforms. He's one of those like sort of walking phoenix type. Like he's just like a different person when you see him in different movies. Yeah, um, and I. It could have been over the top, and it bored him a lot, but it worked. It's like I. I don't know. The the guy that was number the, his number two, the Clark guy, didn't. He he felt yeah. like he was trying too hard. He's a cartoony villain, kind of. Yeah, it was just too. It didn't work, and he was the only performance that I didn't think was good in the movie. I think everybody else was excellent. Understood. You John could have replaced on. him with somebody a lot better. Yeah, he's it's the like, only one, like like John Travolta or something like that. Probably too old at that point. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I know, but uh, it might be an upgrade. I, John Travolta is a better actor than that guy, I think. But um, but yeah, that was the only one. It's like John Leguizamo is like it's really understated. Yeah, he's done a lot of like broad comedic stuff. But it was like, man, that was really good. Um, and then the, the few scenes he has, I mean, everybody other than that guy. 
Um, this is nonstop. But I, all right. So this is Tarantino's favorite Vietnam movie. Is it your favorite Vietnam movie? Do you agree with Quentin Tarantino? No, I think Apocalypse Now is like. Oh my a god, perfect, we are in lockstep. Apocalypse movie. Now is the best Vietnam War movie. Yeah. It's holy shit. We are I, we are just simpatico. Uh, I mean, uh, this is close. Like, oh, it's uh, up there. It's in the pantheon. Well, Vietnam movies are great. They're always great. Like, I can't think of a bad Vietnam movie. I'm well, I'm sure they exist, but um, I mean, there's only only so many ways you can show. Deer Hunter is really hard to watch. Like, I've watched that one time, and I really have no interest in ever seeing that again. I mean, I probably should rewatch it because it's been a long time, but that's a hard movie to watch. I've only uh, seen it all once. I've seen Full Metal Jacket is tough. That's a tough watch too, but that's more of like like a mind blowing experience. Full Metal Jacket just because it's so intense, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, it's these are. I mean, we're hitting on the like. Mount Rushmore of Vietnam War movies. Um, but this is up there. I'm, I'm just shocked because to me, and maybe this is me, I mean, even before I'd seen them, I knew of Apocalypse Now. I knew of Platoon. I knew of Full Metal Jacket and a little bit The Deer Hunter. Like, those are all four movies. Before I watched them, I was aware that they were Vietnam War movies that were considered great. And I just didn't ever hear anything about Casualties of War, like, at all. Had you... New, no, do you know anything about this movie before you watched it a month ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, that reason I watched it is it, it's, it had been on my list of like, I need to see this movie because it's okay. De Palma and Vietnam. And yeah, I mean, I, and I knew the like it was like a tough movie um, to watch. But yeah, it, it's it's up there. Uh, like I said, Born on the Fourth of July, uh, Good Morning Vietnam. You seen that? That's more of like a comedy. It's a comedy, but it's the same thing. Like, yeah. you don't know who your friends are and people that you think are characters that are on the U.S. side end up not being on the U.S. side. I don't want to spoil it, but it's like people that you, you have friendly relationships with aren't necessarily your friends. I mean, it's like disturbing and upsetting. It's kind of a comedy, but only barely. I mean, it's not really a comedy underneath the surface. Um, Coming Home, I saw a long time ago. That's Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, a Vietnam movie. It's kind of a Vietnam no, movie. No, Vietnam no. is a. I mean, something bit me. That's in Vietnam. Yeah, they have scenes in Vietnam. I agree, there are scenes yeah. that take place in Vietnam. I wouldn't. It's that's a that's just a, a boomer movie, right? I mean, Hamburger just, Hill. Have you? I'm just looking through a list. You ever heard of that movie, Hamburger Hill? Vaguely. That's for Vietnam War. Yeah. Don Cheadle's in it. Apparently. Okay. No. No. And, I mean, you just got various tropes. I mean, you're going to have people who are excited to go off to war and then it fucks with them. I mean, that's Deer Hunter, basically, right? Like, those guys are gung-ho to go fight. Those are the people I'm thinking of. They're like, shell-shock. Like, oh, this isn't like when our parents fought in World War II at all. Totally different scenario. Um, Weren't they all drafted in Deer Hunter, though? Oh, I thought, I don't know. I thought they were excited to go. I have memories of them being, like, excited they're going to fight. De Niro's getting married to... Meryl Streep, right? And then doesn't he find out his number got pulled? Oh, I, I, you could be right. I, I thought he was getting married because he chose to enlist, but I, I don't know. All I remember is the excitement and they talk about what they're going to do and how great it's going to go, and then it just go great. But coming home is the same way. Well, why back, like, why do these movies work so well? Just because of the backdrop? And because well, I mean, it's not like a... It's not like a it, heroic thing to fight in Vietnam. It's it's sad and there, there's just so much drama there and well, there's a lot. Like, I mean, it starts with Martin Sheen is he's like losing his mind 
yeah. and then he sort of gets tasked for this mission. And th- then he meets a guy who's really lost his mind in Marlon Brando, right. like by the end. Um, but what, I mean, what a fucking awesome movie that is! It's, oh, it's it's, it's great. Just this, I mean, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. I oh, think. sure. It's it's it literally encapsulates the whole absurdity of the Vietnam experience, not just the conflict, just just the utter insanity of the whole thing. Um, I, we're talking about the best versions of those movies. I'm sure there are shitty Vietnam movies that, you know, people aren't like, you need to see this, like, C-minus Vietnam War movie from 1988. I don't know. Um, but the locations are, I mean, like... But, like, why haven't, like, I mentioned the Iraq War, which went on for, like, 20 years. Why haven't there been great movies about the Iraq War or the Afghanistan uh, Hurt Locker is the only one I can think of. Uh, Jarhead. Definitely. Jarhead is not a good movie. Did you like I that I didn't say movie? it's good. No, I'm just okay. thinking these are, those are the only two like Iraq, Afghanistan movies I could think of. And that and Zero Dark Thirty are about the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. That's more about finding Bin Laden than it is right, a right. war movie. It's a little bit about the war in an ancillary way. But yeah, Hurt Locker is probably the best one. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think Hurt Locker is great. You have another person who is like thrives in war who can't. But like our generation, you know, we're our generation are the ones that fought that war, and like we don't really like care about it in in terms of movies uh, much at all. No, but it, no, it, not in the way that like for a while people really wanted Vietnam War like, movies. There's still like uh, what was the movie that just came out? Um, All Quiet in the Western Front is like that just came out last year. It's about World War One. You know what I mean? Like, we're making movies about old ass wars that we're not talking about wars that just happened. I don't know, it's weird. I, I guess, I, yeah, I don't know. For us, there wasn't the draft. It wasn't, I don't know, yeah, the cultural resonance. I don't know. I mean, it was in Casualties of War, which lost money, by the way, it didn't make money. Um, I mean, the pitch to get it funding was like Vietnam War movies are money makers. And for a while they were, but. Even then, it, it, it's not like an endless cash cow. I, it's not. I mean, when was the last time we had a Vietnam War movie? Uh, that Mel Gibson one wasn't there a Mel Gibson War movie? I, um, Hacksaw Ridge was that Vietnam? Wasn't it? I, I don't Maybe know. Not. I've never seen it. I I, I, ser- I thought it was World War Two and a pacifist in World War Two, but I am absolutely not confident in that one. No, he had a different movie. Something Brothers, not not Band of Brothers. Something Brothers. We are brothers. There are brothers. I don't know. Oh, could, could be. It, I don't know. But I mean, they just stopped being a thing. And yeah, you're right. The Iraq and Afghanistan movies weren't ever really a thing. It wasn't like we need more movies about Iraq and Afghanistan. I think um, it pro- it's probably the news, right? We got so much coverage of everything from the news. We knew everything that happened. We didn't really need movies about it. You know? And I, yeah, yeah, I assume Vietnam, you'd, you'd get the five o'clock news break and you'd see some... You know, a lot of people think that's why, like, serial killers happen is because he saw so much death on TV from watching Vietnam coverage. But, like, that maybe triggered all these people that wanted to make movies. They saw death in, you know, on the news all the time and decided to make films about it. Yeah, that could be. The the 24-hour news cycle, we got tons of it. There wasn't a draft, so... Like, I just people, think people didn't want to hear about it anymore. They, well, that, they that's want, true. They don't want to know more about the war. They want to for, forget that it happened, you know? Yeah, we just all accepted that it sucked and we didn't like it. And um, I mean, there has been, like you said, Zero Dark Thirty. There's movies about 9-11. You know, there's Oliver oh, Stone, sure. made, Oliver Stone that made that one, right? The f- flight, whatever. 
Oh, yeah, I remember the name or of it. Or just 9-11, right? United, United 93 yeah. is one, yeah. and then there's the World Trade Center with Nick Cage. Yeah. He had one. Um, yeah, for a hot minute, but those, it wasn't like there was tons of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, was, yeah, it wasn't a moneymaker with our generation. It wasn't a draft. It wasn't like, man, this is a defining issue for our generation. It's like, yeah, I don't know. If we just didn't. I mean, there hasn't even it. been a great movie about the like the nine eleven commission, how the like the reporting or investigation to find out that there weren't weapons of mass destruction. Like, how is there not a movie about that? Wait, oh gosh, I want to say that there was, but maybe I'm imagining it. I'm a, something with Adam. I Driver mean, that seems like a, me. that's I've, I've oh, the report. The report, but that's. Wasn't that about the Pentagon Papers or something? It was that. I don't remember. That 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 was the closest to my brain. I did. Comes. I like, saw well, that. I did see that. There is. That, I think it was good. I can't remember. Was it about the 9/11 Commission or was it about? Well, we something got else? the Benghazi movie. Didn't Michael Bay do a Benghazi movie? 9/11. The the report was about the torture in. Um, okay, uh, it's torture. Uh, uh, Abu Ghraib was about okay. the Abu Ghraib shit. Got it. Okay, it wasn't the 9/11 Commission. Or, it wasn't the. Okay. No. WMDs. All right, let's see what we got here with Google, Eric. Well, it doesn't matter. It just I just find it interesting that like there was this, and, and they're all in the 80s, 70s, 80s, right? Is when 10, 10, 15 years after Vietnam when these movies started coming out. I mean, even even the uh, Watergate stuff, like that, kind of touched on a little bit of the Vietnam. I mean, the lies about the Vietnam. And there was a documentary that came out in 2004 covering the weapons of mass destruction, but yeah, it's not like we've gotten a a fictionalized portrayal of, of that or anything. Um, no, that's that's fair. Yeah, I mean, because they like literally lied about weapons of mass destruction and got people to go to war for that when it was yeah. it was it was a fucking lie. Like that's crazy. We yeah, I guess there's probably. Well, I guess I mean you can fund it, Eric. Start a GoFundMe. I'm gonna. De Palma's yeah. gonna. Wait, no, he's no longer with us, right? No, is isn't Brian De Palma still alive? I think he's dead, isn't he? Oh no, oh no. One of us is gonna be. Is he still wrong. alive? If he's still alive, he's directing it. American yeah, film director. He's still alive. He's 82. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> De Palma. <laughs> he was born on 9/11. Okay, 80 years ago. Okay, I'm sorry that you tried to. Unceremoniously killed Brian De Palma, <laughs> the guy who started the Mission Impossible franchise. He did, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. It, it's just we had Vietnam War movies. They were in vogue for a while. Some of its locations. I mean, it's great. It's it is a great trap backdrop for this moral ambiguity and insanity. Oh, uh, the Defy Bloods, the Spike Lee movie that was about Vietnam. Okay, that was really good. I like that a okay. lot. Okay. Uh, Ch- Chadwick Boseman's last movie. He, who he is no longer with us. Sorry. You are Brian you are sadly correct about that one. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't have a whole lot else to say. No, I, we've covered it. It's great. Uh, I are you a five out of five? Is I get I'd give it a four and a half just because it's it's a tough. Like I I I didn't want to rewatch it. You know? Sure. Well, that's yeah. That's your for thing. me for me yeah. It, it, for, for it to be a five star movie is something that like I I would want to rewatch maybe like. Once every other year, once a year, or something like that. Got it. I it, I don't have that same requirement. This, I, this maybe isn't this maybe is a one timer, but it's five out of five. I mean, I, I the only thing that's really a flaw is the guy that plays Clark is just not a great actor. Um, and that's it. But it's not nearly enough to like tank the movie. It's so well written, written and constructed. Just that sound, the the Vietnam sound. Like when we first see Michael J. Fox, which I love the opening too. Like it's on a bus. And Michael J. Fox is in the frame, but he's not highlighted. He's just like passed out on a bus. Yeah. And then it slowly zooms in on him. 
and he wakes up, he looks around, and he sees a woman who's Vietnamese. And we get that that sound that I don't know how to make it. It's just like there's like, like a flutes. Yeah. yeah, it's like some wind instrument. Bamboo, like reed. bamboo. Yeah. And we get that periodically. And we see just how different reality looks, how hot it is. All the vegetation is just like everywhere. Everybody's having to ward off the giant plants that are just trying to consume everybody. Um, and it's just great. I don't know. Um, beginning to end, there's not a bad shot in it. It's interesting that Spielberg and Scorsese never made of neither of them made a Vietnam movie because they're in that generation. Well, you know? yes, sure, but he he was always more fascinated with World War II. I mean, we got yeah. Saving Private Ryan, which is looking at what these heroes did for us, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, the, and Tom Hanks and him were both in lockstep. I mean, they um, both just admired the Greatest Generation, you know, as the offshoot of them rather than kind of revel in the moral ambiguity. And they just like, oh, everybody's got to reconcile with the illusion that, or that the, the truth that the U.S. isn't some great saint doing all this awesome stuff, that, oh, actually the U.S. can be the bad guy, and they don't win every war, and all the myths you were weaned on, uh, maybe it was all bullshit. Um, yeah, they, they just didn't, weren't interested in that. I don't know. But Scorsese hasn't done a single war movie, right? I mean... No. I don't think so. I mean, not not his thing. Um, much more interested in gangsters. Um, but and God. And God. Oh, very much God. Yes, absolutely. Sometime. Um, now I can't think of the name of the Jesus movie that he did. The Last Temptation of Christ. Maybe sometime we should watch that, Eric, and see how, see if we stir up a controversy it. about Jesus Christ living a whole life and marrying Mary Magdalene, the prostitute. See how many people get anger that podcast but uh all right eric we've got to uh, figure out how to get from oh i thought we were skipping it oh i i I did the research this one last time so i was going to do one one last hurrah but but we don't have to we can we can x this oh if you got it go go for it as one sort of last goodbye so uh, even though I, i was least happy with his performance um the guy is don harvey who played clark for like a half second, when I first saw him on the screen, I squinted and I was like, oh my god, is that... Um, ah, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Iron Man 2, not Robert Downey Jr., but the other like douchey guy, um, suit guy. Rockwell? Sam Rockwell? Sam Rockwell. For a split second, I, was like, yeah, I thought it was Sam Rockwell. I was like, oh my god, uh, Sam Rockwell's in this movie. Holy it would have been better. would have been better. Oh, it would have been much better. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how old he was, but... He would have been great um, in that role. Absolutely. He would have crushed it. But uh, instead we had Don Harvey, um, who is in Die Hard 2, which is a movie I've seen twice and I barely remember. I can hardly remember any, anything about that movie other than the ejector se- sequence. It's shocking to me how little yeah. I can retain about that movie. Do you, what, do, what do you remember about Die Hard 2, Eric? Uh, I remember the shootout in the airport, like the conveyor belt fight scene. Um. So yeah, there's the stuff on the tarmac. A lot of stuff with planes and shit. Yeah, it's the worst of the Die Hard movies. I mean, of the th- three. The of the original three, yes. Oh, they they get really bad. Um, the fifth one is unwatchable dreck. Um, it's it's objectively terrible. But um, anyway, uh, also in Die Hard Two. So the villain in Die Hard Two, um, is a guy named. Uh, William Sadler. 
This is the other thing I remember about Die Hard 2. We first are introduced to the villain who's like in a hotel room doing like naked Tai Chi. Naked Tai Chi, yep. Oh, yep. Like, mm-hmm. why? I don't know. But he's meditating before this big crime. Um, but he is in the Green Mile with uh, a lot of people, but Tom Hanks, who we've talked about. Um, Tom Hanks is in Sleepless in Seattle with Gabby Hoffman. He was in Field of Dreams. So that's the okay. final I, one. I had it up. I closed it out because I didn't think we were doing it, but oh. I can try to do it from memory. Um, so with Ving Rhames, who I think he's amazing in this movie. I'm you, such a giant Ving Rhames fan. You, you're clear. Uh, Pulp Fiction's your favorite movie of all time. Uh, he's in Mission Impossible 3. Well, he's in a lot of the Mission Impossible sure, movies. Sure, but you're picking but I rec- one. I recently watched 3. Amazing movie. Fucking awesome. I don't know if you've seen that recently. Not recently. I loved it. So, I love every single so one. It's so good. It's so good. Even 2, which is probably the worst one I like. 2 is I mean, crazy I- and weird, but and it's John Woo, and it's half of it's in slow motion, but it's like a good action movie. Yeah. Um, but 3, so I, I didn't want to have a whole conversation about it, but... It it gives me so much Dark Knight vibes that I honestly I almost think Christopher Nolan saw this saw Mission Impossible three and took a lot of stuff from it. So Uh-oh. like Philip Seymour Hoffman who who I picked from this movie is such a crazy villain. He's almost like the Joker in that movie. And there's a scene where Ethan Hunt's interrogating him, and it's if you played the interrogation scene in The Dark Knight where Batman grabs the Joker and he slams him down, and he lock there, Tom Cruise locks the door so they can't come out and catch him. He holds Philip Seymour Hoffman off the edge of a uh, plane and is like threatening to kill him. It, you put those scenes back to back. They're very similar. And then the other piece of it is Ethan Hunt then has to break into a building in Hong Kong, which. Batman does in the Dark Knight. Oh, he has I remember. And there's a scene where, where how Tom Cruise gets into the building. He shoots base a baseball gun where he shoots all these balls onto the building, just like Batman does with the little sticky gun when he shoots the the bombs into into the building. And then Tom Cruise swings in and crashes through the window, and just like Batman does, crashes through the window and grabs the guy. And how he escapes is he jumps out of the window and gets a, a parachute, and the parachute pulls him out of the window. Like that's exactly how what happens in the Dark Knight. Anyways, thought I just throw I haven't that heard a, a nice Eric Lane conspiracy theory recently. So if you rewatch, Christopher Nolan ripped off Mission Impossible. 3. I right, maybe you heard it here I, first. It came folks. out. It came out like a year and a half, two years before. He's criticizing one of his favorite directors of all time. Of and being one, of, a one of my favorite movies, thief. Dark Knight. Anyway, so Philip Seymour Hoffman's in Moneyball, and uh, I think Robin Wright's in Moneyball, and she was in some rom com with. Kevin Costner, I can't remember the name of it. Okay. That works. Uh, yeah. All right. Wait, what, what movie is Kevin Costner in? Sorry, I don't He's know. He's in uh, uh, Open Range or something like oh, that, right? Yeah, don't yeah, you have yeah. the print for that? Okay. Got it. I did. We, well, I, yeah. I returned it, but yes, we, oh, we yeah, found it right. in the parking lot. But yes, that's right. Uh, so oh. it wasn't like one of those Christopher Nolan IMAX prints that are like a thousand oh, pounds and... They come in it on was a big, crate. it was thick, but no, not not Nolan thick, but it was, I mean, it was a big cylinder canister that was not light, but are you sure, it wasn't in Tin Cup, cup is what we're talking about, the, the golf yeah. movie? Okay. The Cup of Dreams, that's our podcast. Got right? it, okay. Um, Sounds good. All, all right, right, so next, next movie we will do on this podcast, uh, I'll give you some clues and you can try to guess it, Ben. Um... I'll start with the first clue, which we can always do, is the year that this movie was released. 
1986. Okay. It's the year of this movie's release. Platoon. More being no, on the movie. No, not Platoon. Okay. Um, the title of this movie is uh, a song that was released in the 1950s. It has yeah. the same title. Yeah, I understand. I, it doesn't help me, but I, I, I understand the logic. Of the um, this movie is number 85 on the Sight and Sound all-time movie list. Okay. Out of 100. I think it's out of 100, right? Yeah, it's number 85. Okay. Unhelpful. Okay. Um, the director of this movie was nominated for Best Director at the Oscars that year. And he was just... He, so it's a he. Disclose that. This movie Sorry, followed... Sorry, I sexually assume it's a he. A huge, a huge bomb previously. So this is like... Following a huge bomb made this movie and was nominated for Best Director. Okay. Unhelpful. Uh, Alright, last clue, right? This is number five. Uh, the yeah. movie stars Kyle McLaughlin and Isabel Rosalini. Oh, Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet, yeah. Oh, shit, okay. What, uh, was the, what was the Lynch bomb before this? The Dune. He made oh, Dune. Dune. Yeah. Oh my god, yes, Dune. <laughs> okay, yes. I have not seen... Have you seen Blue Velvet before? I've seen parts of it. I know I've seen the beginning. I don't remember how it ends... I've seen parts of it. Have you seen it before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Have you, have you watched it recently? Oh no, no. It's been I mean, call it ten years. It's been a while. Um interesting. I mean, do you like David Lynch? I don't I don't remember what your stance uh, is on David. I I don't know. Uh I watched Mulholland the race. Drive? I, I really like Mulholland Drive. It's a great okay. movie. Uh okay. yeah, it's an all time that's an all time great movie. Fascinating. Uh, I watched Eraserhead and that shit really kind of disturbed me oh it's but, upsetting that's a movie yeah. that it just sticks with you in an unpleasant way yeah, oh yeah yeah it's like the mental version of the clap it's just it what, what, i think those are the only movies of, i haven't seen lost highway the reason i'm picking this is on hbo max i would have picked lost highway but this is on max so you know you can watch it without i think it. you're more likely like this than lost highway lost highway is fucking inscrutable that's a movie you're just not gonna know what the fuck is happening 95 percent yeah. of the time um, however confusing Mulholland Drive was to you, that up that up by like 500% for Lost Highway. Um, okay, fascinating. No, yeah, it's it's uh, okay. It's to be interesting. Okay, Blue Velvet. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's supposed to be one of all-time great movies by one of the all-time great filmmakers. It's one of the few movies I, that I Robert uh, Roger Ebert changed his mind about. Like, oh really? He's okay. like, it's like there's been like three or four movies where it's like, man, I wrote a review and I was really wrong. Like I, I just was, my review is off. He was really hard on Blue Velvet when he first saw it in '86. Then he saw it later. He's like, okay, it's a great movie. I was bad take by me. I would have a hard time, like solidifying my, you know, where you're like a national movie reviewer to like write that after having just seen the movie one time, like at a f- showing or at a like a, you know, screening one, somewhere. A, sure. a screening somewhere. Yeah, like to write a review and like this is my definitive thoughts of this movie. I've only watched it one time. Haven't had really all that much time to think about it. So I can definitely see that. But I think well, I think that idea of a movie reviewer is like, this is my initial thought, right? Like, that's the whole point of it. Oh, it is. Sure. And they write thousands of reviews and, you know... Well, like, like Brian Eggert, he, he does these, like, essays on movies where, you know, after he's seen them, he writes more in-depth on it. I think that's... It's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're talking uh, Blue Belt then. Yep. Alright. Thanks Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye bye.